Hey, what's good, Eye to Eye fam? This is Jordan. Yo, I wanted to tell y'all about a new deal the podcast is doing. Welcome to the all-new Scan In FB podcast community. That's right, we're on Facebook, y'all. And we're giving you the opportunity to get up close and personal with Dev, the team, and me. You'll have a potential say on topics and content with our brand new mailbag. Opportunities to connect and do a one-on-one with the team. Also, FB Live very special nah you didn't go there episodes with exclusive content that's right it's only for people in the community there'll be chances to win prizes connect with others in the scanning community and so much more all you got to do is go to facebook hit the search tab and type in i dash the number two dash i colon i know we're still doing the most but what can you do i dash two dash i colon the scanning a podcast community and follow the details be an even bigger part of what it means to boldly go but most folks ain't trying to just our way of saying thanks and let's get next level join us become a part of the community y'all scan in peace is one of the most urgent items on the agenda of modern life. That is nothing new about poverty. What is new, however, is that we have the resources to get rid of it. Why should there be hunger and privation in any land, in any city, at any table, when man has the resources and the scientific know-how to provide all mankind with the basic necessities of life. That is no deficit in human resources. The deficit is in human will. Just as nonviolence exposed the ugliness of racial injustice, so must the infection and sickness of poverty be exposed and healed. Is that what you said earlier? Yeah. It's like, it's like the Marvel after the credits scene. I feel like it's... Yeah, uh, I was about to say that. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's December 51st today. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Ah, oh boy, 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 boy. Oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the latest and greatest episode of Eye to Eye, short for Inspire to Inspire. The podcast that is all about being open, honest, real, having conversations about life and faith. And as always, you know that we are willing to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. Uh, And so I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes where we're going to have to boldly go. I mean, it's like every episode, but, you know, what can you do? when people just keep giving you stuff to boldly go on? (laughs) Yeah, we can pretty much eliminate that disclaimer because it's it's just the entire, the entire show, the entire purpose that we're even here now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's cool. But uh, yeah, welcome, guys. We're glad to have you. My name is Jordan. My name is Devin. 
And as always, we are more than happy to have you rocking with us. And on this episode, yeah, we 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 got stuff to talk about. I'm I'm pretty sure that's that's how this works. But um, you know, Dev, how you doing, man? You know, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. I have to say, pretty excited about what's happening this week. Um, I don't think it would be a surprise if I was a little more stressed over the last, let's say, oh, I'll just throw a number out there, four years, um, and uh, why why I might feel like uh, there's a turning point or or maybe a light at the end of the tunnel or uh, positivity coming our way as a nation, as a people. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think I'm excited about this week. How about you? Yeah, sure, same. <laughs> um, nah, you know, I'm just uh, I'm 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 glad. I'm blessed. Uh, I'm tired. I'm I'm not stressed, but you know, I don't know. I, I feel like this year, it's I don't feel like it's gonna be 2020, but I feel like. 2020 said, nah, I'm going to go down swinging real quick. There ain't no way you're going <laughs> to, yeah. like, you know, it was like, uh, you know, back, back in that bar life, you know, if somebody got into a fight and they had like three or four uh, dudes against them, you know, you, you might've got beat, but you know, one of them was walking out of there limping. Yeah. So I never experienced that mainly because I'm, I'm not your size. I also didn't uh, fancy a bar life, uh, but I will compare it to like, a horror movie where you feel like you killed the monster, but you look and you're like, wait, there's, it's only been 80 minutes and then the monster comes back and then you kill it again. You're like, oh, eh, did, no, is no, it no. that? I and mean, then it keeps coming back. It, 2020 just keeps coming back to life, it feels like. Yeah, no. Nah. I mean, it wasn't like that. It was more so <laughs> along the lines of, you know, it's just, you you realize, and, and actually for me also, I, I I never got jumped to the point where, no, nah, it, it didn't go down like that. Who would jump um, you? You'd be surprised, man. They they yeah. call it a Napoleon complex for a reason, bro. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. the old yeah, uh, very much so. the wisdom of the first day in prison. You go up and hit the biggest guy in the yard to give yourself some cred. Uh, yeah, I hope I never have I to really, test that one out. <laughs> no, nah, I really think that's only in movies uh, yeah. because I'm pretty sure somebody <laughs> did that. A horrible idea. Yeah, they, their first day in prison might be their last. Um, you know, but for for what it's worth, whatever. We, we got a packed, packed docket tonight, so we probably just need to go and get down to business. Dev, what are we starting off with, man? Mm. Well, I think we would be remiss uh, not to bring up the late, great um, Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, we talked at length about him in an episode last year. If you didn't catch that, uh, something special. We had uh, Goody Goodlow on to basically... Uh, shut me and Jordan up for an hour. So if nothing else, that's a positive because a man who is much <laughs> smarter and, and much more eloquent and wise than we are uh, spoke for about an hour on the life of a man who he uh, has written and studied much about. So uh, yeah, I think we should at least uh, give a little bit of a nod to someone who's still, <laughs> man, if there's a Christian Nostradamus, I mean, uh, he's it, right? Did you really just say that? <laughs> Wow. Yeah. No, I, but I agree wholeheartedly. You know, King is one um, who embodied uh, faith and culture like none other. And so he most certainly needs to continuously uh, be celebrated. Obviously, not just one day, uh, not even a holiday, not even his birthday, uh, just year round. Uh, you know, this this kind of folds itself into the understanding of of those uh, those things that aren't in textbooks. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure he is in textbooks, but that doesn't change the fact that he probably needs more than a paragraph or a page. Um, and, you know, for what is worth, I'm, I'm just glad that we have this opportunity, especially now, especially after 2020, uh, with everything that was, that's gone down, you know, and just uh, everything that we've all been through. We need someone who believes in peace and unity and equality and all of these things. And the, 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 I don't think there's another person, really, honestly, that we can pull from uh, that has impacted America. You know, maybe not the world, okay, uh, but impacted America uh, the way that MLK did. You know, so he always gets a, an, an eternal salute from me. Um, and I know he gets an eternal salute from you. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to talk about him in light of everything that's going on in, in, in our beautiful nation as well, because I don't know if you know, I don't think we really have peace. <laughs> and I don't really think we have equality. And we certainly don't have understanding either. Uh. No, no, we most certainly don't. Um, so, you know, uh, Dev, you know, I just uh, want to put that out there in light of everything, especially uh, a couple of weeks ago with the insurrection. You know, I just I wanted to put a bit of, of, of that spin on it, you know, because I don't think that King would have ever imagined, you know, in, in his mind's eye, the vision that he had would ever land us here in this space. And I don't think he accomplished everything that he wanted to. Uh, we have to remember that as much as they want to celebrate him and as much as they want to pull out all these uh, pretty cutesy, inspirational uh, quotes that he has, you know, he's, he's got a myriad of other ones that would probably really tick them off. Like folks forget that technically King, you know, in, in, in their mind's eye would have been the original communist, yeah. <laughs> the original socialist, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I always wonder where the divide is. I mean, I don't wonder cause I know where it comes from, but if we're looking at it, you know, what else are they not looking at? And again, all of this stuff is really just rhetorical because <laughs> I know that they're, they're not reading all of his speeches. They're not reading all the. I got a bunch of stuff, but... Which is know. funny because it's not hard to find because a lot of his quotes are surrounded by quotes that <laughs> most people would kind of raise an eyebrow to or not feel free uh, reposting on social media of some kind. Uh, during MLK Day, uh, instead they'll stick to the ones that uh, you know feel feel kind-hearted and and biblical, uh, at least on the surface. Not saying his other quotes weren't biblical, but they were certainly uh, more challenging, more more difficult to uh, to embrace. I think by uh, especially white society. But uh, I will say one one positive, and you know this could just be because I'm getting older and I don't really remember what first grade looked like for me during this time. But I will say that listening to, because my son is still at home taking classes, listening to what he walked through today, there was a ton of education and discussion about uh, civil rights and uh, equality and Dr. King. And they were watching a, a little video that talked about how Dr. King, as well as uh, Minorities and African Americans at at that time were not allowed to frequent the same pools and not allowed to ride in the same spots of buses and different things like that. And you know, I don't know if that was going on when I was a kid at that young of an age, or if we were being exposed to it later. But I will say that maybe maybe we're at least reaching a turning point when it comes to the education, because we've discussed at length the whitewashing of our history and how the whitewashing of our education system 
has been something that has not served us as a society very well. Yeah, no, I, I, I want to be there with you. Um, at the same time, I will say this is the day after. <laughs> oh, sure, sure, sure. No, that, <laughs> um, that's, that's certainly true. But, I, you know, I can at least, I can at least take some solace that they're, they're talking about pretty deep injustice topics with six-year-olds, which, which is a good thing. So, yeah, you know, I, I'll agree with that. Um, I ultimately also believe though, uh, you know, we got a long way to go. I think that that conversation is, <laughs> yes. is, is very much on the table, <laughs> we, um, but we, I, we I, I also think it's, a, it's, it's a part of something that's much, much bigger. Um, in in senses that the folks really don't want to pay attention to. Um, and you know, that also ties into a lot of what we've been talking about, um, especially concerning stuff with white evangelicals and, and, and fundamentalists and, and just any type of nationalism, Christian nationalism. It doesn't have to be Christian because uh, I think some of them are not really Christian, but they use Christian taglines in order to kind of hook line and center people on some uh, rhetoric and some, and some orthodox teachings uh, that are not really sound biblically. Um, and also, you know, just uh, have such a rooted tradition. Like, what do you really do with that? Um, and, but I think that obviously some of that's beginning to come to a head. And, you know, I, for one, was reminded of a part of one of King's speeches, as a matter of fact, uh, when he was addressing, uh, what was it, the uh, SCLC 11th Annual Conference or Convention uh, in Atlanta. And it was, of course, where do we go from here? So not the book, but the speech. Um, and he brought up some stuff. He was addressing a lot of different stuff in in, in that speech. He was uh, talking about political and social views, of course. Uh, he was talking about the Montgomery bus boycott. He was talking about nonviolence. He was even talking about the Vietnamese conflict. Remember, that's that's pretty much what got him labeled a communist in the first place. Um, but, you know, uh, I wanted to pull up some stuff and just kind of read it real quick because I think a lot of people haven't had a chance to hear these words from Martin Luther King yet. You know, I mean, he's got a compendium. I mean, I even have the book of uh, just all of the speeches, all the sermons, all the interviews, all the, you name it. And, you know, I love going through it every now and again, just to remember exactly what he knew and how he felt. Because even in spite of all of that, he still had a desire and a love for all of his fellow men and, and you know, just knew the equality that was necessary. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to read right around the end of the speech. I'm um, give you uh, a couple of paragraphs. And I'll start with this one right here. Um, he says, uh, what I'm saying to you this morning is communism, this should be fun, uh, <laughs> is communism forgets that life is individual. Capitalism, oh, he addresses both of them, forgets that life is social. And the kingdom of brotherhood is found neither in the thesis of communism nor the antithesis of capitalism, but in a higher synthesis. It is found in a higher synthesis that combines the truths of both. Oh, shoot. I'm almost cussed. Uh, now, when I say questioning the whole society, it means ultimately coming to see that the problem of racism, the problem of economic exploitation, and the problem of war are all tied together. These are the triple evils that are interrelated. So, you know, this is starting to come to light now. Uh, a lot of people are beginning to realize that uh, at his core, this is what MLK was really all about. But before we go any further, I just wanted to finish what, uh, what I got out of this 
And these are the words that actually really kind of struck a chord in my heart, especially in light of the past two weeks. So uh, going a little further down, and he's kind of doing an illustration on the understanding of what happened with Jesus and Nicodemus, talking about you must be born again. And he says this. So in other words, your whole structure must be changed. A nation that will keep people in slavery for 244 years will, he used his word, listen now, thingify them, thingify people, and make them things. And therefore, they will exploit them and poor people generally economically. And a nation that will exploit economically will have to have foreign investments and everything else, and it will have to use its military and might to protect them. All of these problems are tied together. What I'm saying today, remember he said this in 1968, is that we must go from this convention and say, America, you must be born again. And I'm just like, he called it. <laughs> the man called it decades ago. Yeah. Called it 100%. You know, and so th- this is what, th- that, that's what baffles the mess out of me. But it doesn't because, again, this is not what we talk about when we talk about MLK. You know, we don't talk about the things that he knew were going to have to be addressed and have to be adjusted. We just know that we shall overcome and one day little black boys and black girls will walk with little white boys and white girls. And, and, and you know, I mean, we, we still want that. But why do we want it? Folk don't know that. They just think that that's what he said and that's it and, and, and we're good to go, you know? Right. And I think one of the reoccurring themes that he goes over, and this is similar to what happens with the Bible, is that, listen, Christ and the epistles of Paul and Peter and uh, the various things in the New Testament and in the Old Testament talk so much about love and forgiveness and and faith. And those things are tremendous. That's great. Okay. It's great stuff. But it, it goes much beyond that. Okay. There's a lot of other things that go on with living that life post-salvation and actually becoming the goal of becoming closer to who Christ was. And yeah. we can take what King has said and kind of condense it down to racial equality. But that's only kind of the through line of what he talks about. He talks a ton about corruption and power and economics. And dare I say, uh, if he was around today, people would probably be calling him a trained Marxist. Um, (laughs) But he was a trained theologian. But he was going into things that the reason why he was so preyed upon and, and so basically just uh, scaring the people who were in power was because he was actually speaking out against them. And it it definitely reminds me of kind of the parallel of what went on with the Black Lives Matter kind of movement of last year, where when it was about George Floyd and equality, people were on board, people were marching, people were praying. And then you get a few months down the road and it's like, well, what do we do to fix this? Well, we need to shift power. We need to change corruption. We need to uh, fix uh, different voting rights and different things like that. We need to fix our economy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nope, all of that's way too far. Hold on a second. And then you saw the narrative change. The attacks came. No longer is Black Lives Matter about a movement. It is simply an organization trying to raise money to turn America into communism or Marxism or whatever you want to call it. And again, he challenged the status quo all those years ago. His legacy was for us to continue doing it. And 
he'd probably be disappointed to see how little we we've actually achieved since uh since the time that he was uh fatally taken from us yeah and, and it would make all the sense in the world to, to to think that as well because i have a funny feeling he expected not necessarily that he was going to die but with everything that was against him and everything that was set forth against him specifically and all the people and the fact that he was named that and then we have to remember they killed him mm-hmm. You know, it's just, I know we want to get all the warm and gushies in there. That's necessary. You know, the inspiration, that's necessary. But we also sometimes have to redefine inspiration. Of course, that's why we do eye to eye in the first place. And so, you know, for me, that inspiration, I think, really trumps any other kind of inspiration that they're trying to put out there right now. Sometimes I don't even think it's about whitewashing. Sometimes I think some people are just really afraid of the truth in the matter. You know, and and if we were able to actually look at that and actually see that, I think that that would probably, I don't know. I don't don't know exactly what it would do, but this is what I do know. I do know that the one that they put out there, this, 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 this narrative that they put out there right now, that they've set forth for years, for decades, uh, to try and get us all to be a little bit more like King, to live like King, to lead like King. By the way, shameless plug. URC Lee Light King available on YouTube, TD Jake's page, <laughs> check it out. Um, you know, to something in there ain't working. And it's not going to work until we can actually tell the whole truth. And that's the thing. King tried to tell the whole truth. Yeah. But right now, most folks only know to exercise about 20% of what he was talking about. And I mean that in my whole heart when I say it. So, you know, I I I do believe that we need to take this time and have that conversation. And I think that's why I wanted to get your thoughts specifically on 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 King concerning the insurrection, because at the end of the day, I know I asked the question, but I'll go ahead and answer it on my side. I think it would have been expected. I think he would have thought that this was coming. I think it's sad the fact that he would have thought it was coming, but he knew what he was up against. And he knew, I mean, same thing, like when we're talking about like James Baldwin, for example, poet laureate, amazing author, brilliant, yet labeled a threat by the FBI. <laughs> yeah, one thing I will say that I have learned about black culture and great black leaders over the last several years of diving a little bit more into the history of people like King and others is that uh, they're they're never often surprised, uh, but they're often disappointed. <laughs> so um, mm. King would not have been surprised about the insurrection. Uh, King, in fact, if he was still alive today, realizing how how little had actually changed, he would probably be uh, expecting it uh, to some extent. But he would certainly never have been surprised. He would have been disappointed. And I think that when you can get so many people who can celebrate his life and his legacy and yet miss the mark of what his legacy really was, um, it's it's got to be disheartening to people who really understand what he was going for. And, you know, you mentioned something about he was trying to tell the whole truth. And I think that we're in a unique time right now. And I'm not saying unique because this has never happened. It certainly has. But I think with the the speed and the technology of which we have at our disposal as humans, we've never quite had what we have right now when it comes to the amount of information that we can not only uh, obtain, but the amount of information that can spread and the speed with which it can happen. And so you mentioned uh, King trying to tell the whole truth. I think in the past, a lot of times what people would try to do is avoid getting the whole truth to come out. Okay, so 
all right, we can let 60% of this out, but this other 40% can really hurt us. The insurrection was not because the whole truth didn't come out. The insurrection was because lies trumped truth. <laughs> there, were, there were falsehoods about the election and falsehoods uh, about corruption. There you go. And that's, yep. that's a whole nother level beyond, hey, we need to kind of suppress the truth or suppress the information. Instead, that's almost impossible because of the speed that information can now be released. So we almost right. have to play offense now. We have to spread our own information, which information doesn't mean fact or fiction. Information is just that. It's just information. It's, it's material. It's, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's uh, narratives. But basically, that's the big change that I think we've seen in our society is this active attack against truth versus uh, an active repression of truth. And so now we're fighting two things. <laughs> I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, and I agree, but I'll, I'll take it a step further, though. You know, in, in Inception. Um, this is really a tale as, as as old as time. You know, we, we we've had this dream a million times before, and we're still trying to come out of it. Um, and and the first time that we had it, you know, I just remind myself real quick: John eight three two, Jesus is telling them, "You will have knowledge of the truth, and the truth shall set you free." And remember what happens: He's up there arguing with a bunch of folks who really have no clue what he's talking about as he's explaining it to them. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing now. You know, when, when they say there's nothing new under the sun, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, but we also have to remember what happened in his narrative. You know, on a macro level, what happened was he was trying to tell people the truth. People didn't want to hear the truth, so they did everything they could to shut up the truth. Yeah. And in their eyes, they were successful. They didn't recognize what they were doing in the grand scheme of things, but that, that, that's fine. Let's, let's leave that there because I think that it's the same thing with King. You know, I'm a firm believer in the understanding of, of, of carrying on legacy. On the wings of their spirit, we shall rise. You know, something I got out of Romans 8.18 uh, years ago, um, where we consider our present sufferings not worth comparing to the glory that shall be revealed. I believe, just like in the old Negro spiritual, we shall overcome someday. I believe that all of these truths that they've been trying to suppress, as a matter of fact, I think that's exactly why we're, we're, where we're at right now. You know, I think things are starting to come to a head. I think they're realizing that they have no control over the situation. They're trying to do what they can to get control over the situation. And it's not going to work because that is not the way that our God works. You know, that which is in the dark shall be revealed in the light. That's in Ephesians chapter five somewhere. We, we really need to just kind of trust in the fact that that's going to do its thing. And at the same time, we need to continue to play our part. And I, I'm, I'm afraid for, for a couple of reasons that things like the insurrection have some people thinking that this is really a hopeless situation and it's not. You know, this isn't the first time that people have tried to rise up to try and snuff something. And again, yeah, Jesus yeah. is the perfect example of that. Uh, you know, but you know, I, I don't know, just it, it puts me in, in a different place because now I've got friends of mine trying to, you know, either write the ship with me and apologize or, or they're asking me how can they help their friends to, to see what the quote unquote truth is. And I'm just like, you just have to keep living it, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and that, that, that's really the only thing you can do because either they're going to see it and it's going to challenge or they're, or they're not going to see it and it's not. Um, but that's because they're shrouded. You can't do anything about them being shrouded, you know? You know, you mentioned Inception, which of course is going to get me excited because I'm a movie nerd. Um, That's why I said it. 
You know, I have kind of an interesting uh, thought about that. And it just kind of struck me this one time. Um, and I'm sure other people have thought this too, but you know, the whole concept of inception is like, Hey, we want to go ahead and, and put this idea in somebody and then they will go ahead and execute that idea because they thought it was their own. Well, that would mean if they're putting an idea in somebody, that means it wasn't there. But I don't really think that that's how something could actually play out. I think that there are so many different thoughts and desires that we have in our hearts that whichever one gets amplified is the one that we might act upon. So that means it has to be there first. So inception is like an insertion. I think it's more of an amplification. And I think what's going on right now, and this brings us back to kind of that insurrection, is I don't think this idea is inception. I think this idea is amplification. And the misinformation and the, the QAnon, whatever you want to call it, the people who are out there who are spreading oh, all of this information are <sighs> amplifying yeah. the thoughts of others. So what is it in, in Proverbs uh, 23, right? A man think of in his heart, th- so is he. So it has to, it has to already be in you in order for you to then want to believe it and, <laughs> and take action on it. So until we actually can kind of change our, our hearts from something like, you know, that level <laughs> of, yeah. of anger or discontentment, whatever it may be, that it actually stirs in you an ability to try to, you know, basically start a coup or insurrection, whatever you want to call it. The other thing I think is kind of funny is what what were they thinking when they got in the Capitol? Like basically there's just like a Nintendo controller in there. Whoever's holding the controller controls the country. Like how does getting in there mean you suddenly control the country? Like that's not really how our country works. Um, <laughs> well, because the main reason was they thought they could do it because they because they had Jesus on their side and because they loved Jesus. Yes, that's true. There uh, was a lot of Jesus. Jesus saves. Yeah, there was a lot you know. of Jesus in those uh, yeah. those signs. Um, and then you mentioned hopelessness. And I think you're right. You know, it's that old adage, you know, it's darkest before the dawn. Uh, listen, we wouldn't have had uh, emancipation without the Civil War. We wouldn't have had America without the revolution. You know, we wouldn't right. have had uh, salvation without Christ dying. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Yeah, sometimes you have to have a, a pretty strong situation rise up, a pretty dark time rise up in order for uh, people to, to actually see the light. You know, I've, I've heard people say, you know, you don't want to curse the darkness. You want to light a candle, you know, to that effect. The problem is, is if you just go around lighting candles everywhere, everywhere you go feels like it's light. You don't, mm-hmm. you kind of lose your sense of what's dark. And if you're trying to bring light to darkness, Sometimes that candle needs to be blown out so you can actually see where the darkness is. Um, <laughs> you can't just constantly be walking around in light, I don't think, um, or you're, you're going to lose Strange, sight of that. But I see what you know? you're trying to say. You know, yeah, what, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think we yeah. just be kind of come numb to that when we're not willing to blow that candle out for a moment just to kind of truly see what's going on around us um, and where where we might actually be needed. So. Yeah, it's still weird, but I, I get what you're saying. I know. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird, but that's, yeah. you know, I'm weird. Well, no, I, 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 the only reason I say it is because, you know, I was just thinking about it. Um, a conversation that I had with a, a girlfriend of ours who who uh, used to do a lot of uh, journalism stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing about journalism, and we don't need to go there right now, especially in, in, in today's media and society. Ah, uh, yes, yes. How wonderful it is not. Um, is that she's always really actually trying to find the truth. And so we've had multiple conversations about, uh, you know, just not just learning and, and understanding truth, but doing our best to to reveal it, to tell it to to our friends. She's got a lot of friends that are 
uh, let's just say, um, and going down that same road that you're talking about as far as like QAnon and just all the conspiracies and, and she'll ask them and she's trying to explain to them, you know, what she would say directly and poignantly is white supremacy and patriarchy. Um, you know, she'll ask them, you know, why are they a part of this? What do they think? Um, and, and most of them, they will claim to be believers. And their answer is always, you know, to her, she says, that this is a problem. It's a big one. And the only thing they can give, and this is why I said what I just said a couple of minutes ago is because they say, but I love Jesus. And I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that, that's an excellent, that's a brilliant answer. But she was really trying to, she, she was, she wanted help you know, and, and trying to explain exactly why this was as important as it is. And, you know, I, I gave her an answer and I think that it's something that would probably help a lot of folk. You know, I just told her to recall when Jesus was resurrected uh, and how he had that one conversation with Peter uh, where he asked him, you know, do you love me? And Peter was like, yes, painstakingly, because Jesus ends up asking him three times and three times after after Peter says yes, he says the same thing. Feed my sheep. And I told her, I was like, you need to ask these folk, what does feeding his sheep look like? And then, of course, after that, are they actually doing it? And, you know, this, this, is, this is the problem. We need to redefine or really undefine, because I don't know what the heck they came up with, but it's, it's the wrong freaking definition, uh, what feeding our sheep looks like. And there's a bunch of places in the Bible that show us that. You know, the separation of sheep and goats in Matthew 25 is one of the best and easiest examples to take a look at. Are you visiting the sick? Are you clothing the naked? Are you feeding? You know, just stuff like this that really grinds my gears. And I know we've had conversation <laughs> about this before. You know, you were all about the whole Proverbs 16 joint. And I, I still, I uphold that so, so easily and so quickly. But that's where, you know, and we say it every single episode, people need to read the Bibles. But not just that. Specifically, if they're looking for the understanding of what we're supposed to be doing, that thing that happened in 1996, that 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 wristband revolution of WWJD, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> there was there was there was something to that that didn't just involve wearing these really horrible colors around our wrists and and, and thinking it was the coolest thing since sliced bread to be a Christian for. Um, you know, we, we did that because we understood very quickly and very easily that the life that Jesus lived was the one that was supposed to be imitated and implemented. Right. It can't be duplicated. We're going to mess up. We're going to fall short. But the thing about this is, uh, how am I going to say this to be perfectly offensive? <laughs> I'm sure you'll Jesus, find a way. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, just, just, just think about it. Jesus would never beg a president to incite martial law. Mm-hmm. Period. He would never, ever bring a noose to one of his, I mean, first of all, he wouldn't have a protest. Jesus right. himself was a protest. He didn't need to start one. Right. He was one. Um, and, and, and wrestle with that for a second, you know, and, and then on top of that, Jesus wouldn't own more guns in a nation than there were people. <laughs> now, yeah. I'm not against the guns, but I'm sorry, that's telling <laughs> when, when, when that's the type of society that we live in. And and no, I'm not trying to bash these folks, but eventually you just got to understand that when something when something ain't broke, okay, maybe don't fix it. Right. Well, do you think like Christ is looking down? You know, if we're going to use that pejorative <laughs> term, and, and smiling on what happened at the Capitol, like 
<laughs> Somebody out there thinks he is. No, I, I listen. That's what I'm saying, so, I know people nah. do, but I also think there's a lot of people that might not take it quite to that level. Like they might align with a lot of the thoughts or even believe that there was election fraud, but at the end of the day, they they might be like publicly denouncing what happened, but internally thinking, you know, maybe there's some positivity as, as to it. And, you know, because that, that can happen, you know, it can certainly happen when we have our opinions or our ideologies, uh, you know, talking about the, the bracelet back in the 90s, what would Jesus do? I think what's interesting is that we all kind of thought we knew what the answer was. You know, we'd wear that bracelet and we're like, well, I mean, I know what the answer is because I go to church and, and you know, I, I hear about what he'd do. Meanwhile, how often were we reading about what he'd do? How often were we reading specifically about what, what he would do in those situations? And it brings us back to what you just said two minutes ago and what we said a thousand times is just you read your Bible and do more than just listen to preachers on podcasts or listen to uh, your your pastors on Sundays. And we'll get into kind of reasons why <laughs> in probably a few moments here because mm, um, yeah. we're going to talk about some spiritual leadership issues. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think we, we definitely would be remiss uh, not talking about the you know the i think there's some uh there's some excitement that maybe we've turned a corner i think that maybe we have a possibility of our nation coming back together um in in at least some sort of unification because you know at least the the new administration coming in with Biden and Kamala i think has a desire to bring our nation back together where the the prior administration say what you will whether you agreed voted for whatever it never felt like there was a desire to provide unity. It always felt like there was a desire to incite division. And uh, at least I think maybe we can close the book on that. Um, a lot of damage done, but it, I don't think it means that it's uh, it's beyond repair. That's good because I was just going to say, uh, in accordance with the last statement that I made, yeah, it's broke. Fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. You, you can keep going. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, and listen, I, I don't think that we can simply say that, uh, oh, a, a new president, uh, a new vice president uh, is going to single-handedly solve our problems or fix it. it it's certainly not um, the same way that just, nah. you know, going to church on Sunday or, or saying you love Jesus is going to fix the world either. Uh, action, responsibility, that's going to fix things. You know, accountability, um, and accountability is a, a tricky one. Right, Jordan? Because uh, especially within the church, um, oh my God. you know, there's uh, there's some spiritual you know? leaders that, that talk about, you know, having your six, regardless of whether you should be accountable or not. Um, you want to, you want to, yeah. I think I set that up nicely for you. You want to go ahead and uh, give some context to that statement? <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Um, so indeed, in the fashion of the past, like two or three months, um, 2020 has produced amazing amounts of moral failure in Christian leaders, whether that be in ministry or the marketplace. And so we just need to celebrate another one right now. Uh, you know, this this technically could be a petty eddy, but I just don't even want to give it the time uh, to, to look at it in, in a laughing manner because this is just, I'm at the point now where, you know, I, I ain't no perfect man. Ain't none of us here perfect. Uh, and I will never tout myself as perfect. I don't judge. But that word that he just used, accountability, that got Devin there. Um, yeah, it's kind of set me off on on a, on a on a tangent, and I'm glad to be on it because it's necessary. Uh, and you know, for what it's worth, uh, can I just say this before we even get started? Like in the back of my mind, I'm well aware 
that 20 years from now, I could be a pastor and, and be doing real good and real successful and let something go to my head and end up in the same exact situation in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And that frightens the living daylights out of me. And so for that, that's why I have people like Devin in my world who I will one day probably ask to just have me thrown in jail if I even think about sneezing uh, in, a, in, a, in, 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 the, in the wrong way. But, um, you know, that being said. You know, the deal is to, to kind of preface that whenever Jordan and I have these conversations specifically about the church or church leadership, you know, we can't really stress enough that this isn't about judgment, okay? Because neither one, Jordan or I, are, are very judgy people, I'll be honest with you. Jordan's less judgy than I am. I'm, I'm judgy, but I'm usually judgy on stupid stuff that doesn't matter. Um, yeah, but I'm uh, just petty. There's uh, yeah. a difference between petty and judgment. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You know, when it comes to these big things, my concern is that when we, when we don't hold people accountable, and accountability is different than judgment, Okay, we're called to hold our brothers and sisters accountable. We are not called to judge them. Okay, so those are different things. Uh, it's kind of like that fine line between cocky and confident. It's <laughs> it's a similar thing. Yeah. Um, so when we're doing these conversations, it's more about that. And my concern is that as the church gets further away from accountability, the less and less it looks like the bride of Christ and the less attractive it is to people who aren't currently a part of it. And so we're directly costing salvations because we are not behaving even amongst ourselves the way that we should. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like when you see dysfunctional relationships uh, from families or friends. If, if you're kind of on the outside looking in, you're not interested in starting a relationship <laughs> with people who you already view as dysfunctional. Um, but if you see people who kind of have their stuff together and, and there's correction with love and accountability and respectability, you look at that and go, wow those people are handling things different. I'm curious what's going on there. And, you know, I just want to preface that because I know Jordan and I can sound very critical (laughs) about our church leaders. Um, And a lot of times there's, there's (laughs) justified reasoning, but I did just kind of want to put that caveat in there just so it doesn't sound like we're bashing because of judgment. So. This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds. Dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks. Or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. Yeah, speak for yourself. I'm bat. No, I'm saying <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, we honestly, I don't even have time to do that. I, I wonder how gossipers really have the time that they have to gossip, unless they just don't have a job. Yeah, could um, be. Yeah, and that that's more accountability for somebody who really needs to <laughs> maybe get their lives. Hopefully that was let, let it bless you. Just let it pour all over you right now. Amen. 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 Um, but yeah, no, so in the headlines, uh, our main man who's helped many people in the financial field for the cause of Christ, uh, Dave Ramsey. Um, you know, for what it's worth, I get it. Because sometimes you you have to have certain mentalities um, at times in order to be as 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 strict and as you know I, I'd even almost say you know I sit like Flint 
for whatever the cause, like Jesus for the cross. You know, I'm, I'm with that. And, and I believe that that for, for years has been his lifestyle um, and his mindset when he is coaching individuals to, to live a financially responsible life. Uh, and, and that's great. But then there's these other things that he doesn't do or that he, he does uh, that, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's just, are just downright wrong. Not a part of the fruit of the spirit. Uh, not, I mean, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, there was an article that came out uh, that basically talked about how uh, he had fostered this really, really ill-set culture um, at his workplace, which he called like what he wanted to be one of the best workplaces ever. Um, and, and now there are a lot of individuals who are beginning to come out and talk about how toxic the culture was at that workplace. Um, and you know what, for what is worth, there are a lot of different places where you could go where you just don't want to work and people can be cruel and harsh. And that's one thing, but then there's this other word that comes into the equation, starts with an H rhymes with hypocrisy. Um, and this is kind of what got me and what started to grind my gear. So, uh, there's an issue now where there was an, an individual, a lady who worked there and she, uh, simply informed them that she was going to need to go on maternity leave because she, because she was pregnant. Uh, now, um, I'd not say unfortunately, she was not married. Um, and because she wasn't married, she was terminated because part of their policy is they're very strict on making sure that um, if you're having babies, you're married. Pretty much how that goes down. And you know what? Um, in, in, in their bylaws, that set forth. But I don't know. We don't even have time to talk about how technically it was illegal because they're not actually a Christian organization. If you're a Christian <laughs> organization, you can make those rules. If not, we yeah. don't need to go there. Um, but here's my issue. I could almost care less about that and just say that they're super stringent and strict and that I don't like that decision, but it's theirs to make, even though technically, again, legally, it's not theirs to make. Um, the issue comes when they have another higher upper senior male. I don't even need to say white because chances are everybody knows that most folks there are probably white. Um, but male uh, uh, leader in their organization who is accused and pretty much found out of uh, an affair, of having an affair, yet that individual is still working there. Still working there. Um, and so now we have a dilemma. The, the one woman who's in a, a committed relationship may not agree with the fact that she's having sex before marriage, but, you know, what have you, still probably trying to do things right. Um, gets pregnant and gets fired. Uh, and then you have the married man who is part of your senior headship um, who commits adultery and yet still gets to keep their job. If that is not the definition of hypocrisy, I don't know what it is. Uh, but the, the, the issue kind of stems in some other things that came out. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a, a, a lady by the name of Julie Royce, uh, but she does some really good uh, truth-seeking and uh, op-ed uh, pieces. And she just happened to write one about what happened with Ramsey. And I don't know, as I was reading it, I was just like, oh my God, this is <laughs> the very definition of, of what I was fearing wasn't happening, uh, but was happening. So in her op-ed, she says, Dave Ramsey 
the good old boy uh, network and the M- the evangelical industrial complex. I don't know why I can't say that today, but whatever. Uh, that's the title of it. And she basically breaks down in a few bars. I'll, I'll read to you right now. Uh, Dave Ramsey is a good old boy. And if you're going to work for him, he wants you to be one too. Specifically, he wants you to have his six. Now, for, for most folks who have been in the military or, or have been a police officer, you know that basically uh, your six is somebody's back. So when somebody says, I got your six, I mean, I got your back. I even love it. I've said it. I said it to some friends of mine that are in law enforcement. It's pretty dope. I like it. It's cool. However, kind of takes it in a different direction here. Um, as Ramsey explains in a leaked audio of a May 2019 staff meeting, so this is even before 2020, having someone six is a supreme virtue of hillbilly culture, i.e. the good old boy network. And so he begins to kind of break that down and how he's pretty much looking for loyalty. Uh, if you're loyal to him, then it's a great place to work. And if he deems you not loyal, then it's probably not a good place for you to be. Uh, but I'm going to continue because this is still kind of long. Um, certainly loyalty when directed towards someone who deserves it is a virtue. And this is where I just got pissed off. Yet, as as even Ramsey admits, it can be a vice. And then the quote you're going to hear is coming directly from him. We are so prone to this level of loyalty, we carry it to a toxic extreme, all the way over into stupid, Ramsey said. Like when the family is wrong and completely misbehaving, we still stand up with them because we're just stupid. You shouldn't do that at that point. But this is seared into me and into this place from our upbringing. See, we don't, in my brain, we don't do Switzerland. There is no neutral. And so, you know, this just, this just throws me all the way off. And it throws me off because basically what you just told me is that you have some sort of preset privilege to be able to make a statement like this and know that it's ridiculous, yet you have fostered a culture that pretty much said, nah, I'm just joking, we good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a horribly confusing story to kind of navigate because he is basically setting the table saying, listen, loyalty has gotten to a point in, in Christian communities where we're willing to just kind of protect no matter what, you know, protect our own. And then he protects his own because then <laughs> there's some, there's also some uh, quotes about basically how he looked at uh, pastors like Mark Driscoll and Hoybles and some different ones that went through some other, you know, times that you can go ahead and look up on your own and basically had their six too. And again, this all kind of comes back to accountability to me and, when you take a step back, like if you're not part of the Christian culture, so let's say that you are uh, an agnostic and you're watching somebody who is, you know, very famous within not only just Christian circles, but in secular circles, because Ramsey is a very famous financial guru. Uh, he has uh, television and, and talk shows. Um, you know, people who are not Christian certainly know who Dave Ramsey is. And so if you're hearing that, you know, he is dismissing uh, a woman who had premarital sex, who came to them, admitted she was wrong. It, you know, hey, here's the deal. Uh, now I need to go on maternity leave. Um, kept the baby. Let me add that as a detail. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just want to add that as a detail. Because again, if you're somebody who is a non-believer, let's think about it from, from their shoes. Um, and they get let go. Meanwhile, somebody who has a, uh, an extramarital affair 
and I don't mean that it was extra marital, like two times the marital. It's extra as in bad. Um, so has an extra marital affair. They get to keep their job. All right. So now if you don't go to church on Sundays, you don't really believe the Bible, but you know that these people do. There's one thing that you understand. One is that uh, apparently forgiveness is supposed to kind of, you know, rule all things. Somebody admitted that they were wrong. Somebody uh, apparently is keeping their baby to term. Those are, those are three pretty big things in Christian culture. Yet they get fired. The other person committed adultery. Now, whether you <laughs> are somebody who goes to church or not, you're pretty familiar with the Ten Commandments. One of them is thou shalt not, not have sexual relations before marriage. That, that's not one of them. One of them <laughs> is, however, thou shalt not commit adultery. And whether you're a Christian or not, you probably know that. So you're looking at it as, wait a second. So one person who basically did kind of all the things you're supposed to do, even when you, you did something wrong, the other person broke a literal commandment. <laughs> Nothing happened. So now on the outside looking in, <laughs> does this look like something you want to be a part of? No, nah, not it, exactly. And that's why we, <laughs> come on, man, you already know. And, and that's, that's why exactly this grinds my gears. I mean, we, we can even get past that pack, that fact. We can get over into grace. We can get into forgiveness. We can get into that entire conversation. Um, but there's also a point where cheap grace kind of pacifies the entire situation. And, you know, not only that, but what are you teaching to the people that are actually in your care, your flock, your fold? You know, and yeah, no, he's not a pastor, but he's flexing all of this real righteous religious muscle. Oh, sure. No, he's interjecting uh, biblical teachings into all of the advice that he gives. And look, I am not saying that the person who had an affair should have been fired either. In fact, I fully believe in, in restoration and forgiveness and both people should have been kept on. Both people should have been mentored and discipled and kept in accountability so that they can, they can do better. Because what did Christ say when he heard people sinning? Go and sin no more. He didn't say, get out of my sight. You're not allowed here. Like those are the things. That's where we should be setting ourselves apart as the example. We should be forgiving and restoring. That's what we should be doing. And it's amazing how Christians just despise cancel culture and yet they're kind of the original cancelers of culture. Cancel culture. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and and, and know, they refuse and, to look at it that way. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And But even then, it, it takes another turn because you got to remember, we're talking about restoration. Like, I was thinking maybe that's what happened with Homeboy, but it's not because now he's divorced. And I don't know if you remember that part of the article, that was the tale that his wife was telling was basically they shunned the mess out of her. Um, and just kind of kept it moving because they they didn't think that she was one who was probably fit. I don't I don't know. Uh, they they really had no excuse, but I'm sure that they tried to come up with a reason. Go back to our episode with uh, uh, on the book uh, Jesus and John Wayne for a little more context as to why that might be. But <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't know, but you know, one of the the pieces that got me in, in Julie's article that that I guess kind of not put a spin on anything. I don't know, maybe just confirmed a lot of stuff, um, especially in light of everything that's been happening uh, with Ravi, uh, with, with, with Carl, uh, with, you know, folks that I really would, I don't, I didn't want to talk about this, man. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't want to talk about this at all. Uh, but, you know, here we got that. Maybe, I don't know. I don't want to say that, you know, that's God's way of saying you need to talk about this. Um, but really, honestly, like it just, it all came to a head. There was a part in her article 
where it starts talking about, again, you were talking about it earlier, how they have their six, like they all have each other's six. And it was talking about James McDonald and and somebody else in there, just a, a bunch of reform folks who, uh, you know, the irony of that, I'm, I'm remembering, I don't know if you've ever heard of this before, but there's a thing you can find it on YouTube now. There was like a mini conference called The Elephant Room uh, back in like 2011 and I think 2012. Mm-hmm. And what it was, it was it was like a debate series uh, with these, a bunch of reform pastors and then a bunch of like, uh, uh, at least I would say popular, I won't say celebrity, but like evangelical pastors and, and the like. And so, so you've got James McDonald, you've got who you were just talking about, the Mars Church pastor, and a bunch of, of cats like them. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you got Stephen Furtick, you got T.D. Jakes, you got, you know, a, a, a bunch of dudes like that. And, and they're sitting down across from the table at each other. And they're debating over these different Christian topics, right? Because, you know, clearly they can't be on the same page. Not from a doctrine perspective. Some of them probably think from a dogma perspective. You know, all this stuff is going down. And in the end, it was kind of funny because they all kind of shook hands and high-fived and realized that basically they, 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 they have, you know, probably some minor tweaks on why they think what they think. But at the end of the day, they, they all had the same end in mind. And right. I was like, yo, so maybe there's some hope for this. <laughs> but no, because, you know, at the same time, after that, a lot of them really kind of bashed some of these pastors, especially Stephen. They still bash Stephen. Yeah, he still, some of them he still, still takes bash it on GD. the chin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the thing that cracks me up the most, though, is, I mean, you know, with, the, with them two, you know, say what you will. Um, uh, no, nah, don't say what you will with TD, because I, I don't know, unless, <laughs> unless, unless the scandal of all scandals popped up. Yeah. Um, you know, don't. No, don't, he's, don't he's say grandfathered it. in. Like, we're not going to. Yeah. In don't, fact, don't if something happens to him, work. we have a six. We won't even bring it up. No. Yeah, 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 for <laughs> sure, for sure. But that's what I'm saying, though. All these guys on the other side that would criticize the mess out of a TD, that would criticize the mess out of a Steven, that would criticize the mess out of, uh, of, of anybody in, in, in those squads, you know, or even, you know, the ones that, that sometimes deserve it, you know, maybe a Creflo. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like maybe, maybe, maybe a Joel, you know, um, all of them. Yeah. There's a couple. Yeah. But all of them are now out of their churches. And I mean, I kid you not, almost all of them are legitimately out of their churches for doing stuff they weren't supposed to be doing. And so, you know, this, that, that's why I just, I don't know. It's, it's not like I'm really trying to compare apples and oranges. Any and all of them are capable of the same fate if they make the wrong choice. And we all got consequences. Everybody has consequence, but you can't sit up here and tell me that some, maybe you can't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to go too far into that, that subject matter, but just from what I've seen in these cases, you can't tell me that folks that are sitting up there pointing that one finger legitimately probably don't have three, four fingers pointing back at them <laughs> when they do it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I'm officially there. I'm officially there. You can't tell me that. So, and it just means that I don't think that that means that they're, there's some intentionality on it. I just think that sometimes we're thinking about the wrong thing. And if they're not as self-aware as they need to be, if they're not as accountable to self and to God as they need to be, you know, the Bible says, take heed lest you fall. How do you think that happens? I don't know why so many of these stories keep coming out about (laughs) leaders in the church. Um, Well, I do. Uh, Leaders in the church keep keep falling over themselves constantly. Um, but you certainly don't see that balanced out by all these great things that the church is doing. And I, I don't necessarily think that that's a media thing. It's easy to blame the media. Well, the media is just not covering the positives. They only cover the negatives. You know, the 
the problem is, is that when you're doing more negative headliney things and you are positive headliney things, like how are you blaming the media for that? Like you can go look for positive things <laughs> that the church is doing if you want to. The problem is, is that they're just, they don't end up being as high profile as all the bad things the church is doing, which means yeah, we kind of have to look at ourselves for that. We can't be blaming the media. Like, yeah. In fact, yeah, absolutely. there's a story that Jordan and I just saw about uh, an anonymous donor who donated $40 million to 50 uh, civil rights lawyers or, or law firms, basically mm-hmm. to, to help with civil rights. Like, why don't we hear about that from churches coming alongside doing something like that? Like, we just, these giant headlines that, that are all these positive headlines that Jordan and I go through, because listen, we try to find inspiring headlines and we certainly read, <laughs> listen, we read through Christian periodicals and Christian <laughs> magazines and websites. <laughs> There's not that many we're talking about, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's half and half. One, like you just said, I think that's, you know, quote unquote, what the people want to see and give them what they want. And, you know, sex sells yeah. proverbially probably literally in some cases, remember, don't go to Pornhub. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But yeah, at, at the same time, though, I think there's another another aspect of it. And that's why I wanted to kind of 2.0 what you were saying about people having each other six. And then I went on a rant, which I shouldn't have done, but whatever. Um, and it was it's just about another piece in that article because Julie was just killing the game on this Joker uh, where, it, you know, it talks about, and, and to your point, I think we spoke on this for a second before, is just the, the threat of what happens uh, if you end up being the quote-unquote whistleblower in the situation. And, you know, she said this. She's like, this is the symbiotic network of Christian celebrities, publishers, ministries, radio networks, et cetera, uh, that rely on each other for profit and protection. That's a conversation. Oh, that's a conversation in itself. We don't have time for that. Um, And in the machine, she called it a machine. That's funny. Uh, Friends protect friends, whether they're deserving of it or not. And then she finishes it with this one statement right here. And whistleblowers get crushed. And, you know, I was thinking about that because, you know, we were talking about that before. Um, Just in being fair. Yeah, the James McDonald's and the Mark Driscoll's of the world, they do really, really sucky things. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's, there's hearsay out there on the other side for folks like, like Carl and Judah and all them. And I'm not, I'm not naming no names. I don't know who did what, but I have heard and I understand that apparently there are some aiders and abettors in the situations like Carl's. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure that that wasn't Mark Driscoll. <laughs> I'm sorry, the Marxist probably <laughs> hates uh, Carl. So you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm just, I just want to be fair in saying that across the board, this is, this, this is a, this is a real problem. That's the only way to put it. And I think that you know, attention to detail is is one thing, and we can talk about how that all got lost in translation somewhere too. But I, I really think we don't have time to break that down either. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm so reminded of, of, of. <sighs> I don't know. I think the easiest way to put it is just um, in the Bible, you know, we talk about David and how David was was a great and mighty man, you know, and there's there's nothing else that can be said about that because that's what the Bible says. But the Bible also paints a full, a whole picture of David. And one of the pieces that we don't talk about often is the fact that David had a friend named Joab. So we're, talk, we're, we're talking about friends now because, you know, Joab had David six. Joab is also the one who was ultimately responsible for setting up the hit that took Uriah's life, you know, and he ain't asked no questions. 
Dave was like, yo, set it up so that your eye dies. And Joab's like, bet. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> no yeah. accountability, no nothing, you know. And, and so, you know, I, I think about that because I'm just like, yo, seriously, what would have happened if Joab might have spoken up? You know what I'm saying? Because you got to remember, David was not an evil king. You can speak to him and not have your head cut off from making a suggestion. Right. Pretty right, sure of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, or even take it a step further. You know, um, let's go a couple of generations later. You know, there's Rehoboam, which nobody really talks about. But man, that story is so, so necessary to the understanding of the entire narrative of, of Israel and their people. Because we got to remember, he's the grandson of David. He's the grandson of David who gets put in power after Solomon dies. He's like 41, 42 years old. And for what it's worth, the people came to him talking about, hey, your daddy was harsh. Please lighten up the load and we will be your servants forever. And I'm pretty sure they meant it. I'm pretty sure that they were severe. I'm like, they were really, really sincere about that. But what happens is he ends up talking to his dad's advisors, which by the way, Solomon was the wisest man ever in the Old Testament. And he had advisors. Think about that. Okay. <laughs> That, that's where wisdom program. comes from, right? You, you yeah, surround yeah, yourself exactly. with people. <laughs> yep. He had wisdom and then he got wisdom. How about that? Anyway, and so they make one suggestion, which is to follow or do what the people ask. And he says, nah, nah, forget that. And then what does he do? He goes to his boys, his homeboys, his friends who he's had since birth. And now they are his advisors. And what do they tell him to do? <laughs> Yo, flex. <laughs> flex hard. Let them know they can get got. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, what is in the Bible that says, tell them that your your pinky is thicker than your father's waist. I don't know what that means. It still sounds ridiculous, but, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and what ends up happening, I'll just save you the entire story, is that that decision that he made because of his boys is responsible for the division and the downfall and eventually the exile of the entire kingdom. Period. The end. So if we're having real conversations about what it is to have boys that really got your six, and when I say really, I mean the ones that are game to keep you accountable and tell you, nah, playboy, don't do that. Or the ones that'll just be like, oh yeah, do what you want, man. As a matter <laughs> of fact, oh, you got that. You the man, you the boy, you the dude. Yeah. Listen, I don't think it's worth it <laughs> yeah. to sit up here and abide by those guidelines. You really sometimes have to listen to somebody when they tell you, yo, bro, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> Your best friends are the ones who uh, you can simultaneously love and hate. Um, and that's why Jordan's one of my best friends because uh, there are plenty of things that uh, I love him for and there are, are an equal number of things I hate him for. But all the mm -hmm. things that I hate yes. him for are all because of shortcomings of my my own that he calls me out on. Um, and, you know, the whole iron sharpens iron you only sharpen uh, through contact, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, exactly. Th through actual uh, tension and and friction, rubbing pieces of iron together. It's not uh, just coming beside and and uh, <laughs> uh, having each other six. That's that's not how that works. And I think that's where we just keep seeing Christian leadership fail over and over. And uh, you know, it's it it starts to perpetuate. Right. So it's, you know, the whole sins of the father thing. Like a lot of, a lot of pastors raise up other pastors, their father like figures. And if, if they're not correcting those things, 
Um, we've talked about it plenty when we talk about race. We can also talk about it when we talk about faith uh, or living this Christian life. You know, I think we need to do a better job as Christians of raising the next generation of Christians the same way that we as Americans need to raise better Americans and we as humans need to raise better humans. Um, right. and I, I, think, <laughs> I think that's kind of the answer. I hear no lies there, sir. I yeah. hear no lies. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. And, you know, I mean, for what it's worth, what he's saying is 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 absolutely right. Like, there's no way that I don't appreciate him for being a pain in my side sometimes. Oh. Um, you know, I, and, and I appreciate that because, you know, I there's some things that I know I don't know, <laughs> or at least not as good as I, I could or should. And 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 he's been there. And, and likewise, I've got other friends that I know I can count on. Um, you know, and, and I'm reminded of Proverbs 17, 17. I think I did that in that little bonus segment, you know, talking about how a brother is born for adversity. Well, you know, that adversity doesn't just have to be when something bad happens to somebody and then you're just the brother who's there for them. Sometimes <laughs> that can be when the brother themselves is the adversity. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it, I'm it could be so, before the bad adversity comes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> think about exactly. how helpful I mean, that would be. Hey. <laughs> Hey, hey. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm just um I for what it's worth, I'm I'm really just sick and tired of having to have these conversations and tell these stories. And I'm really just sick and tired of of seeing the cross and and seeing people throwing Jesus back on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that's really that's 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 what happens when when we really we do this, you know, it's just we're throwing Christ back on the cross, people. He yeah. already died for each and every one of our sins. Don't make a mockery of it. He he died a long time ago for forgiveness. And uh, we here at Eye to Eye want to have forgiving hearts. Um, I think a word that's somewhat synonymous with forgiveness is pardon. And uh, on the eve of <laughs> the transition <laughs> you, yo, you did to a new presidency, <laughs> uh, there are a rumor of some pardons. And this brings us to our white folk wonder. Jordan, there's there's rumors, and this will come full circle because we talked a little bit about this uh, probably right about, uh, I don't know, about 10 months ago or so. Uh, Joe Exotic, uh, the Tiger King. A rumor is that uh, one President Trump may go ahead and pardon him. Um, that'd be fun because then maybe we get another uh, Netflix special. And the second rumor is apparently that the president might be pardoning a number of rappers, including Lil Wayne and a couple others. So my white folk wonder this week is, how would the black community feel about someone like Lil Wayne donning that MAGA hat, appearing to be a supporter of Trump, simply to get himself out of a 10-year sentence? <laughs> oh my God. Listen, you're really good at asking these doggone questions. Because this is crackheaded. <laughs> I know. 100% crackheaded, man. I just, I, I want to say that. Maybe that gets the E on eye to eye. I'm not sure. I don't think so. That's <laughs> not going to do it. Crackheaded's not going to do it. No, no, you're right. It's not. Um, plus, I'm the one who puts it up there anyway. So, whatever. True. Uh, and I don't know if y'all hear that. My, my beautiful wife just got home and she's petting my doggy. I just got to watch that for like three seconds. It's beautiful. <laughs> my ridiculous trifling dog. Uh, but anyway, uh, not, you know, the African-American community that I've spoken to was not amused 
at even seeing the picture of of Wheezy, Lil Wayne, <laughs> whatever his name is, with Donald Trump. It, it just wasn't. You know right. what I'm saying? And 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 for what it's worth, I can tell you right now, I'm pretty sure that they could honestly care less. A hundred percent care less. If he gets pardoned by this dude, you know what? So be it. Um, because first and foremost, it, it, let the record show if history repeats itself, he's going to do something again that's going to put him right back in that predicament. <laughs> well, I was thinking I'm about sorry, that, you know, about Tiger King. A, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, him too. I'm not trying to be a joke. I'm not, not trying to be a jerk about it, though. I'm really not. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where when you can't put spots on the tiger and call it a leopard. You know, if it walks like a duck, it talks <laughs> like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a freaking duck. That's true. And, you know, it's just, yeah, so, I don't know. Like, for me, I, I, you're, you're making me think about something I really didn't want to think about in the first place. And then, you know, we, we heard about the, the rigmarole and the fact that he was going to be pardoning like two, three hundred, five hundred thousand people today. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I, I wondered who was going to be pardoning. Apparently he's, he's pardoning like a uh, co-founder of Death Row Records or something like that okay. too. Uh, and it ain't so, <laughs> we, 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 we've established this. <laughs> so let's uh, let's maybe go about this in different. Let's just go about this with a hypothetical because maybe this will be a more interesting question. Because uh, it's it's possible that uh, the black community has simply abandoned Lil Wayne, which to me is is fine because I never really liked him anyway. But that's my own personal <laughs> taste. Um, but let's say it was somebody that that you did like. Let's say that it was uh, Pusha or Lamar, uh, <laughs> one of these guys okay. who who you still loved, ended up you know getting a sentence. And they had to uh, bow to the, the the feet of Trump to, kiss to, the to get out. Yeah, <laughs> how would you feel about that? <laughs> See, that's the thing. I, the common sense in me is not going to allow me to even believe that that's possible because I don't think they're going to do something to get the to, to be put in that predicament in the first place. <laughs> See, it's no fun to play hypotheticals with you when you won't even play along. But Your I'm hypothetical, I really, yo, I is really not am. possible. I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent trying, and it's just not working. Like okay. I can't even wrap my head around it. Okay. You know, you know how I feel about Kendrick. He pisses me off, but I love dude. You yeah. can't do anything about that. Uh, anybody in VA that hasn't been locked up already, and if they have, they, I think they probably got the quips about themselves. You know, just, uh, you know, I mean, we, you can have this conversation about. I, I don't. I mean, even doggone Meek Mill. You know, and, yeah. and, and and they freed him already. Mm-hmm. You know, Gucci, all these other cats. You know, it's just, it, I always call it like the live and learn situation. I think the only ones who really didn't live and learn were the people in No Limit that I think are still locked up, even though one of them was wrongfully accused across the board. Um, but, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's a travesty to witness what's happening right now because of some of the pardonings that have already taking place, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and people whose names I don't remember, but just seeing the stories of some of these individuals, some of the things that they've done. Um, and to be fair, like all presidents, <laughs> all presidents release some guys that if you dig into it, it's a little bit sketchy. Um, so it's, it's not I just, mean, and, it's not and just that's Trump, fair. I mean, that, that, yeah, that's really fair. But yeah, no, this is just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a comedy of errors um, yeah. that I, I, I seriously, I just, I don't know. In, in all objectivity, because you know that that's that's the statement I have to make to just, just make sure that I'm I'm being self aware. 
the past four years has really put us in a position where seeing something like this is not surprising. And like we were saying before, it's not surprising, but it's disappointing. Like the fact <laughs> right, that we're having right. this conversation and you, 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 you get, you get to ask me this question and you're enjoying it. You're just eating oh, it up over there. Having a great time. Yeah. It just, it, it, it doesn't change the fact that, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm shaking my head on that because uh, I don't know. Okay, fine. Let, let me let me try my best to answer your question. <laughs> well, like, see, I'm confused because if 90s rap taught me anything, okay, and it taught me a lot, but if it taught me anything, it's that you can do whatever it takes to survive, which would mean kiss the ring. But at the same time, you can't kiss the ring and lose all street cred and still survive. So I'm totally confused. Like, what, I feel like there's this is a, a a spot where we need some sort of rapper's proverb of some kind that would let us know which way are we supposed to go here? Because I feel like you can kind of pull source material that allow for either or. <laughs> yeah. No, see, what you did was you messed up though. Because now okay. I'm, 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 I'm confident in giving you the answer that I'm going to give you. Which oh, is, good. If we're going off of 90s rap, mm -hmm. you can forget about it because there ain't no snitches. Right, right. None. And so if that's the case, no, I'm pretty sure they're, they're staying happily in prison. Yeah, no, that's true. I think there's definitely some more, uh, like the soft mumble rappers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, you know, Can we not, man? all of that Just... stuff. Yeah, like like Drake, If no one would be surprised if Drake's like, hey, hey, Don, love you, man. But hey, uh, it's cool. Uh, yeah, I'll wear one of your hats on the on the, <laughs> the floor of the, the Raptors Shut game. Up, We're man. cool. Oh I mean, gosh. it kind of matches their unis anyway. Uh <laughs> It does. It does. You're right. You know. You know the the the, the funny thing was I, I think I saw something on Insta one time. Um, and I mean I can't even be I can't even be mad. I can't knock it. And again, this is probably one of those reasons why I have peace in the understanding of that '90s rap. Um, but who was it? It was a uh, Pharrell was was being interviewed on on some show or something like that. And it had to be recent because I think somebody had a mask on, and it cracked me up all the more because they were talking about some some instance where they were at the studio, um, and I think it was. And VB, as a matter of fact, um, they were at the studio and I guess they started shooting and somebody who was recording with them was like, yeah, I'm going to go because I'm not trying to be a part of this. Um, and he was freaking out. But Pharrell basically said that uh, I guess he he called and he dropped the dime because he said he ain't no thug. So he's 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 proud to snitch. <laughs> oh, like, oh, man. Oh, wow. OK. Oh, my. No, okay. I guess that makes right. sense. So you know, there. what's weird is like I... I don't think I'd ever snitch either. I mean, I'm probably wrong because I'm super weak-willed and I'm I'm a coward. But I'd like to think that I wouldn't. But also, I wouldn't want to be around when the shooting starts. Like, <laughs> like, like you well, can try. I'm not going to sure say anything. But no, I'm nailed it. No, I'm the white guy that gets killed in in the wire early or you know whatever, <laughs> whatever gotcha. show. I'm gotcha. I'm definitely the guy that they didn't trust. Not through really no fault of my own, but just because I was profiled as the the weak, cowardice white man. But that's fine. I mean, you know, it just means I get to go go to heaven sooner. It's cool. <laughs> if you're on the wire, nah, that's a conversation in itself. It's yeah. like, if you're on the wire, are you really going to heaven? But yeah, you you, you still have a chance because if not, that that nah, kind of defeats the purpose. Because Michael Jesus Michael came. B went to heaven for sure. Because. <laughs> Because listen, his character Yo, got killed really, really young. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He went to well, heaven on the wire. I don't he know. Is he going to heaven? Station. Is he going to heaven in Black Panther? Uh... Well, remember, he's not really dead. So, you know, right now all we have is the wire and Fruitvale Station. 
Oh, um, Fruitvale Stage. You know. Oof. What about yeah, his Apollo? No. Well, he he didn't die in that, but yeah. No, he is. I'm saying he didn't die in Creed yet. No, I don't so. think he's going to die either. So, well, probably yeah. not because it's about him. Uh, of course, you know, mm-hmm. like 50 years ago, they killed the black boxer. That was fine. The Russians <laughs> did it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that is probably the place we should is, down. That is Dying the place. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. Ladies and gents, thank y'all once again for tuning in to the latest and greatest episode. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, download, all those other podcast words that you use. And and please rate and review. Uh, leave some good love for us, for, for the algorithms, because that's necessary. And, of course, please... Good God, after 400,000 deaths, I think that we don't need to say this again, but wash your hands. And wear your mask. Good freaking grief. As a matter of fact, I've, I've been tested like three times in like the past like two weeks. Have you? Um, because, because I just, and, and, and I'm still negative, but still doesn't, That's doesn't good. change. It's not pleasant, the test, no. but you know what? It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, better than not knowing, so. Yeah. 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 So please just continue to do that and just stay safe, man. Be around your loved ones. Like, never mind. We're, we're done with that. And of course, as always, please remember to be inspired to inspire because that is what the inspired one does. I'm Jordan. I'm Devin. And we will catch you next time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's all I got to say about that. And yeah, it's time to go to bed. So let's do that. Right up. Peace. Engineering by Devin Chandler. Editing and production, Jordan Brown. Digital media and graphics, Alyssa Wise. Interface and program relations, Delmar Gibbs. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode. Please don't forget to follow us on FB, Inspired One Enterprises. On Insta, at I underscore the number two underscore I podcast. And of course, please subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. Download, rate, review, and share. Be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. Thank you once again for all your support. Keep rocking. Peace.